again, this is Charlie O'Shields, and welcome back to another episode of Sketching Stuff. As we begin a shiny new year, this often comes with setting new goals of things we'd like to accomplish. Sometimes these are called resolutions, but those seem a bit too resolute for me and can often be wildly daunting. I think that setting a few lovely goals, or even better, just making a little list of new things you'd like to try next is a much less stressful way to go. This is a little collection of stories all about goals and dreams and finding your own unique path in art and life. If you have dreams that are burning in your heart, then by all means you should happily pursue them. I hope these stories inspire you to do just that. Life is never better than when we're dreaming our way through it. So sit back, relax, and dream with me as we think about those New Year's goals. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Hiking down a new path. I once sketched a backpack for a prompt during an outdoor fun theme. That said, I've never really hiked with a backpack, preferring instead to just wander down nature trails unencumbered. Of course, this is barely considered hiking by those who travel long distances, but I still find it very enjoyable. As a kid, seeing a glimpse of a new path in the woods would fill me with excitement. I had an uncontrollable urge to follow it just to see where it might lead. A path found in nature is a place where others, humans or animals, have been before you arrived. Following it reveals what they saw, those beings that traveled there the first several times, creating the path in the first place. For me it was new, so it was always exciting since it was the very first time. But the most wonderful thing in the world can always be to create your very own path, to travel in another direction and blaze a trail by going to those places that others haven't thought to visit yet. I have to admit that I used to do this all of the time as a kid, but as an adult, I often find myself proceeding with caution. I tend to second guess my impulses rather than just run with them as I think of them. This may surprise some of you since I have managed to try some rather unusual and new things. In my first year of blogging, I founded World Watercolor Month, and in my second year, I added a full social community on Doodle Wash and an online store that features the work from other artists. For some reason, each year around this time as I head into a new one, I get a bit itchy and want to try new things. Perhaps this is just a side effect of being an artist. It's not a destination that you ever actually arrive at, but more of a journey that presents new amazing things to try each and every day. And it's this very journey, finding each and every new awesome trail, that makes it so incredibly rewarding. I hope if you're listening to this and have a crazy idea that you think you'd like to try next, you'll consider trying it. Throw caution to the wind and simply do it. I say this because I now fully realize that when you decide to do something a bit differently, amazing things happen. There's never a comparison to be made. When it comes to trying new things, success is entirely relative and personal since it can't possibly be directly compared to anyone else. As scary as uncharted territory can be, this always makes me crave it. It's intoxicating to think you can't be wrong. That's absolutely the first step in pursuing a new idea. Sure, it may not work out as you expected or be something that's adopted by others, but how cool is it to think for one blissful moment in life you're guaranteed to be right? 
or at the very least, the first one to try something that seems a bit crazy to others. And though I may not be extreme when it comes to my experiences with nature, I can't help but promote the very idea of at least attempting the act of hiking down a new path. Wet and dry. I once had a very open-ended prompt of wet and dry, which would make one think of watercolor techniques, but if you're inside my head, you get cookies and milk. This is really just where my mind leapt to, because I bought a little cookie at lunch and wished I had some milk to go with it, since it was a bit dry. Then I thought back to childhood and how I used to love those peanut butter sandwich cookies that the Girl Scout brought me. These I would only eat with a big glass of milk candy. I like to dunk them just halfway into the milk, making it a touch soggy while keeping a dry and crunchy half as well. I'm not sure whether this was brought on by my indecision or simply wanting to have the best of both worlds, but I think it was the latter, as I still like to live this way today. Before I give up and think it's not possible to have something both ways, I usually discover that with a little dose of creativity, it can actually happen. As a kid, I always tried to figure out how I could have all of the things I wanted while happily balancing the impossibility of those two things being able to occur at the same time. For example, if I couldn't decide between characters that I wanted to be on Halloween, I would create my own Frankenstein version of them by choosing the best bits of each to make a costume. Or if I wanted to make a project for school and couldn't decide between two different ideas, I would just combine them into one inexplicable one. Sometimes the results were pretty cool, but other times they were just, well, inexplicable. Either way, it felt very satisfying as at least I came up with something a little bit different, new, that others might not have thought about. And I got to have it all in the process. This little act of always asking what if is one that I frequently find difficult to keep as an adult. All that so-called life experience has left me with answers to so many questions, or at least perceived answers, because what I'm considering is a bit similar to something I'm contemplating. I've done that before and it didn't work out as I intended, but unless it's exactly the same thing, there's really no way to know if this time it might not be different. In many ways, my coin turn of doodle wash is a testament to my own approach to life. It's the best of both sketching and watercolor, completely free of any rules or restrictions, and involves just doing whatever feels right in the moment. That's why you'll always find all types of sketches and watercolorists featured on doodlewash.com. My hope has always been to rally people behind the wonderful act of creating art itself, not the way in which it is created. Sure, there will always be masters who possess insane skill that leave us all cowering in the corner wondering how did they do that? But then there's the rest of us, the masses who wish to create and make something beautiful and share it with others. And while I'll still be in awe at the sight of a painting in a gallery, I'm equally thrilled by the creation of someone who just recently picked up their brushes and started painting for the very first time. Each piece of art has a story behind it, and I find those stories incredibly inspiring. That's what you'll find on doodlewash.com, and I'm proud to present them each and every month. An impossible mix of stories and art that don't fit a pattern, but are indeed creating one. A path to a new art world where anyone can be accepted, as long as they possess the passion to create. 
Perhaps it's a foolish notion, but it's at least nice to imagine that two things can harmoniously coexist, like wet and dry. Getting new shoes. I once sketched the very shoes I was wearing that day. I just kicked them off to make the sketch. They weren't new, but I still remember finding them that first time in Paris at a Le Coq Sportif shop. Getting new shoes is a rather transformative experience, opaque only by getting new glasses. That sort of trumps things as you wear them every single day and adopt an entirely new persona in the process. But new shoes are up next, likely because we notice them more than we do other bits of clothing. You might not think about the shirt or pants you wore throughout the day unless they're incredibly tight or get that way just after lunch, but each step reminds you of your chosen footwear. My doodle wash of them probably didn't do them justice, as I only had a few minutes and just grabbed for three colors. They're burnt orange suede sneaker with stripes down the side and lighter orange laces. I pretty much just wear various forms of sneakers on a daily basis, saving my more adult shoes for a trip to the theater. Adult shoes can be a bit boring, often simply black, so the majority of time you'll find me in multicolored sneakers instead. As I approach 50, my fashion sense is probably seen as a bit quirky. What could once be considered a hip thing to wear can quickly become the ensemble of a nutty professor. As my hair turns grayer, seemingly with each new day, I still don the footwear of my younger self. Not in an effort to appear more youthful, but simply because it's the aesthetic I still prefer. In my mind, I'm still in my 30s, happily bouncing from one thing to the next and still so curious about the future. Then I look in the mirror and I see lines that weren't there the day before. Mostly laugh lines as I've spent much of my life laughing back at it, but other lines as well. I've considered getting a tattoo before, but my mind changes so much that I couldn't possibly land on a specific theme. And truly, I consider those little lines that form on my face as organic tattoos. Designs that I didn't select, but life itself selected for me. A patchwork of memories and life experiences that I couldn't have chosen better if I tried. They define me and complete me, and in the end, I'm rather happy that they're there. Sometimes I think, in a way, we're all like a living sketchbook. As the years pass, new lines appear and new shapes form to tell the story of the life we're living. Looking in the mirror each day is simply an act of flipping through pages, discovering little changes in what appears there each and every day. A single page can feel revolutionary on a specific day, and another day's page can feel simply ordinary. But when we put all of the pages together, they tell an intriguing story of life, love, dreams, and hope. A story we couldn't have told better if we tried. So when we meet one day, you'll likely still find me in sneakers and dreaming of things that are probably too miraculous to ever actually occur. And you'll also find me with a pen and paintbrush in my hand, capturing not exactly what's happening before me, but an idea that occurred in that moment. Losing myself in the thrill of capturing bits of previous memories will likely always be what connects with my heart the most. Thinking back to that time in Paris, when I had Philippe talk to the salesman like he was my personal shopper, so thoroughly excited and enthralled by getting new shoes. Climbing Mountains 
Since I'm not really a landscape painter, once for a prompt of climbing mountains, I opted for a handy pair of binoculars instead. Certainly a wonderful companion, whether you find yourself at the bottom of the mountain or exploring vistas from the top. There are no mountains where I live, and even when the topography manages to jut up towards the clouds in a noticeable fashion, this miracle is simply referred to as a hill. We have lots of those. So whenever I'm traveling and see an actual mountain, I have to stop and admire it with great respect. It's truly a beautiful sight to behold, nature's way of reminding us that humans were not really meant to be the main event in this life but instead friendly and hopefully helpful spectators. And people often refer to the idea of climbing a mountain when talking about something that feels challenging. If you've taken my monthly art challenges, then please know that I'm always hiking right along with you every step of the way. Don't stop now, beautiful things await us and I'll see you at the top. As a kid, I visited the Great Smoky Mountains once with my parents. It was a car trip, so there were many stops along the way, but the primary destination I remember most was a place called Maggie Valley, which boasted an unusual theme park called Ghost Town in the Sky. It was extremely popular in the 70s and 80s, but sadly closed in 2002 and is now an actual ghost town. But rumor has it that it will be reopening as Ghost Town Adventures again. The thrill of the park was mostly a side effect of its location. It was on the very top of the mountain and the only way to access it was via a ski lift or a somehow more terrifying tram that pulled people straight up the side of the mountain. I rode up with my father, who is no longer with us now, but was terribly scared of heights. Yet he was determined to take his son on an adventure. Along the way, I was happily pointing out little beavers I saw below while he kept his eyes forward at all times, hands on the safety bar in a pure white knuckle terror. I thought it was funny at the time, but would later grow into my father and develop my own fear of heights. I barely remember the park itself, but it wasn't particularly amazing. What I remember most was a loving father who on one special day risked his life to make his son happy. And that's what I've loved most about my current adventure in watercolor sketching. All of the memories that might have escaped my mind entirely have come flooding back to me. Each bit of stuff that I sketch unlocks another special moment that might have never returned to me without my pen, watercolor, and brush. For me, this is my memory at its truest. I rarely paint full scenes because I don't remember everything that should be there. What I mostly sketch are simple little objects that take me on a journey back in time. I hope to share not only the places I've been in this way, but the places we've all been to at some point in life. The white paper that shines where the background ought to be can be filled in with more personal memories. A bit of illustration I call a doodle wash and a piece of a story. That's my art, if you can count it as such. Sketching stuff and dreaming back to a forgotten once upon a time. Like a time long ago when I was too young to know just how important a moment really was and thought it was nothing more than a day spent with my dad climbing mountains. Forest animals. Once with a prompt of forest animals, I opted to head to a rainforest and ended up with a little sloth. 
Contrary to popular belief, these animals aren't totally lazy and sleeping all of the time, but they do clock in a good 10 hours a day, which is actually rather enviable. I've never been able to sleep more than six to seven hours in a night. It's as if an internal alarm goes off and I find myself suddenly awake and contemplating a new day. I don't really mind as I'm never feeling tired, so that must simply be the appropriate amount for me. But when I see a sloth lounging in a tree, it often makes me wish I could enjoy a life of leisure like they do. It's always easy to look at another being and think they have it better in life somehow. In reality, our own life is usually always better. For example, a sloth only poops and pees once a week, usually in the same spot, making them very vulnerable to predators. So the envy ends rather quickly. A rather large price to pay for a few hours of extra slumber. And life has a beautiful way of forming itself around us to make a unique bubble of things that only we can truly appreciate. That's a pretty wonderful thing indeed. Philippe and I live in the middle of the city, but directly next to an historic cemetery with lots of tall old trees. So we basically look out our windows onto a forest scene of sorts each and every day. Many times we're greeted by lots of woodland creatures that have included owls, deer, raccoons, squirrels, rabbits, and even red foxes. It's pretty rare and wonderful to be right next to an urban core and yet also feel secluded and in the woods when we return home. Our choice of living in the city is because our jobs are here and we don't really want to commute. Given a full choice, you'd probably find us in the middle of the forest, far away from the city, but we still manage to live a very simple and quiet life thanks to our location and get the best of both worlds. The term concrete jungle that applies to much larger cities is one that doesn't appeal to us. Jungles are green after all, not cracked and gray, and we wouldn't be happy if nature wasn't nestled closely nearby us. Here we can spend a day watching birds do their bird things in trees and end our evening with the most glorious sunsets. As for sloths, they can live up to 40 years, but I've already passed that. And I'm hoping that the next 40 years, if I'm lucky enough to live that long, are truly amazing. I hope I'm still also managing to make a little something each and every day. I know it sounds crazy, but I've been showing up each day now for over three years, so why wouldn't it be possible? Oftentimes when we challenge ourselves, we set a small goal, one we know we can achieve. But why not, as I have, set a ridiculous and impossible goal instead? An unending goal to just show up each and every day and make a little sketch of some kind. Why stop with 31 days or 100 or 360? Why stop ever? If it's something you enjoy, you should pursue it with all the passion you can possibly muster. No matter what happens in life, we can always choose what we ourselves do next. I choose to sketch and tell stories, and I hope you'll always choose whatever makes you happiest. They say life is short because they forgot what's actually possible. I truly believe we can each do amazing things if we simply do them and enjoy the thrill of life. Moving from one choice to pure instinct and suddenly realizing the keen insight that can be found from those fabulous forest animals. Making a Journal of Life When I first started blogging just over three years ago, I never thought I'd still be writing each and every day. 
I initially started my blog on Doodle Wash simply to inspire myself to keep sketching and painting. What happened next was truly unexpected, even to me. Each little thing that appeared on paper triggered memories that I then began to share in the form of what many of you now recognize as my daily rambles. I once tried writing by hand in a physical journal during an entire trip to Italy. It was a fun experience, but my handwriting is so ridiculously poor, childish, impulsive, and unintelligible that I could barely read what I'd written after that. I quickly transcribed every word into a digital journal while I could still make out the memories and kept up with that for another couple of years before abandoning it entirely. Yet today, I've been keeping a daily journal for over three years, so that's quite a record. Well, personal and content, but there's no lock on my journal. It goes out an email to those who subscribe, and bits of it can even be heard in this podcast. And while I realize a live stream of consciousness journal is not what one typically finds on a modern blog much these days, it's still what you'll always find in my posts. What I found interesting about blogging, or at least my horribly unstructured approach to it, is that I don't really edit anything I write at all. I literally type like I'm writing in a handwritten journal, though thankfully, due to modern technology, you and I both can actually read what the heck I've written. I find that miraculous. And if you're curious, yes, that entire unpublished trip to Italy would have appeared in full had I been blogging at the time. I don't have any thoughts to hide. I'm not sure they're all worthy of publication, but though I'm a shy person in real life, I'm not at all shy about sharing my musings on life. If you happen to wander over to me at a party, I'll be the one cowering in the corner, our conversation will be roughly like these posts. Yeah, a bit rambling, if not a touch crazy, but always honest, true, and exactly what I'm thinking in the moment. If nothing else, I think live journaling has made me even truer in my writing. I don't write about things that are sensational or horribly provocative because I honestly don't find anything truly important in life to be like that. The important bits of life are more often pleasantly mundane and just maybe a bit thought-provoking, so that's what you'll always find in my stories. I've seen many artists who share gloriously well-lettered and illustrated journal pages, and I'm always impressed and astounded. You are my heroes, and I salute you. I wish I could make letters that looked that beautiful, but mine always look like they've been scribbled by someone who's had too much absinthe. Rather than attempt to be exactly like those people I admire so much, though, I forged my own version in these illustrations and hand-typed stories that you'll find on doodlewash.com. As I am constantly cheerleading each of you to do, I honestly can't stress enough to remember to always do what works best for you. If you feel you don't quite fit perfectly into other art communities, then feel free to come hang out with us on doodlewash.com. There you'll be applauded for simply being yourself and loving to paint with watercolor and drawing what moves you. Yes, it's painfully simple, no rules and no expectations, just a celebration of art in whatever way it appears, as together each day we find ourselves happily making a journal of life. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. 